On today's episode of Race, we'll be discussing politicians getting caught abroad during the pandemic, Star Wars reaction videos, and the death of cinema. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. Um, We're recording this episode live on Sunday, January the 3rd, and if you... If you like our podcast and would like to help us grow, the best way you can do it is to give us a five-star review on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you are, or subscribe, comment, share. Um, that would be super helpful with the algorithms. Uh, I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians. And on our panel, we've got Leonard Chan. Hi, I'm a spokesperson for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and Veronica Antipolo. Hello. <laughs> okay, great. So we have got a jam-packed episode with six topics this week. So we are going to just jump straight in. And our very first topic, here we go. Our very first topic comes to us from Leonard Chan. And Leonard is going to talk about all this craziness with politicians um, politicians getting uh, getting caught on vacation. <laughs> yeah, politicians being hypocrites. My God, breaking news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is annoying, right? Because you expect your leaders to lead by example. Uh, and then so in Canada, uh, we've had a bunch of politicians who have run off on vacation in the midst of a pandemic. Our Ontario Finance Minister, Rod Phillips, went to St. Bart's for two weeks. Uh, he, called them a, he called the trip a dumb, dumb mistake. Uh, but And then he came back and he quit, which I think that's the dumb, dumb mistake. Like, why are you going to quit? Why are you going to come back? Like, just stay in St. Bart's, man. It's much better than Canada winner. Like, you should just be fired for that alone. Uh, let's see. Uh, a couple of Quebec liberals were spotted in uh, the Glitter Bay region of Barbados, which, of course, they got caught. You can't hide, like, you can't get rid of glitter. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, like, a bunch in Alberta were flaunting the rules, as per usual. Like, the municipal affairs uh, minister, Tracy Lard, went to Hawaii. Jason Kenney's, Kenney's chief of staff went to the UK, came back via the US. Like, so going to the US, that's the worst, because it's a nightmare down there. So, like, I don't know. It's brutal. Like, there's a guy from Saskatchewan. Uh, he went to California to finalize the sale of his home in Palm Springs, which, again, if you have a home in Palm Springs, why are you selling it to go back to live in Saskatchewan? Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's the minister of highways, uh, by the way. So, um, I don't know. If you're going to learn how not to build a highway, I guess you go to California. You look at the 405. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's been nuts. It's been, like, so much hypocrisy and uh, I think it said it best. Uh, another this comedian friend, I have, uh, Andrew Barr, is very funny. He's white. Let's not hold it against him. But he tweeted, uh, and this went viral. He said, breaking, Canadian government urges you to avoid travel so you don't bump into them while traveling. <laughs> mm, yep. But, yeah. So, whatever, man. Like, I, it, it, does it bother me? There's other things that should bother me uh, <laughs> a lot more than that. Because, but you know, it'd be nice if they didn't do that. You know, like in the past four months, I've left the house twice, so mm. <laughs> much less the country. My God. So yeah, yeah. This uh, this topic is getting um, quite a few comments. We've got uh, uh, 
an unknown username from uh, from YouTube saying they should get their citizenship revoked and given to refugees. I, I agree oh. with that. Um, definitely, if it's Asian refugees, because or uh, people trying to to escape Hong Kong right now, there there are quite a few good refugees <laughs> who need a home. Um, and then less um, politicians, more refugees. I'm all for that. <laughs> Uh, and then from uh, from Robin on Facebook, uh, we've got them saying it's not illegal to take a vacation, but bad taste if you're a politician. Yeah, it's definitely yes. bad yeah. taste. Definitely not illegal, just dumb. Yeah, and then yeah. finally we've got uh, James from Facebook saying fire them! Exclamation. So oh yeah, some of them uh, have quit. Some of them uh, did uh, have their cabinet positions revoked. Um, some of them. <laughs> have well the highway guy nothing happened to him uh but you know they, they got a school a talking to no, nothing's happened to the alberta people either because of course uh yeah so really it was just like the ontario uh the finance minister i think he's probably the most high profile the, yeah and, and he quit of his own accord so okay well, he quit of his own accord is what they say maybe he was just offered that, that yeah. option yeah. Yeah. but the thing is is like okay he traveled but it was the whole cover up that they yeah. that he did like the the um, the post that he did and all that it was just yeah oh uh do it better yeah, why the, better uh tracy allard the the municipal affairs minister she posted a picture of herself on instagram in front of a christmas tree in alberta mm-hmm. but she posted it while she was in hawaii so oh, oh my goodness God. which oh my i believe but yeah that's pretty gross like the only person who i'm like there's one person who was like, ah, oh, it's not so bad. Like, it was an NDP uh, in Manitoba, an MP, Nikki Ashton. She went to Greece, but it was to visit, like, a dying grandmother. So okay. I'm just like, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, she shouldn't have gone. But, you know, I kind of understand. But she was stripped of her cabinet, critically. Oh, was so. she? Yeah. And wow. I think she, she actually, you know, again, shouldn't have gone, but I get it. You know? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't that's know about tough. that one. I just feel like, uh, did she post any fake pictures? I, that's, for me, that's like the, the boundary. I've been following any of this that closely, I'm going to be honest, so I don't know. <laughs> Who's reporting them? That's what I want to know. Are there people at the airport who are just like, let's do this. Like, this is yeah. my version of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's... I would. Yeah. What else are they going to do, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, and if you want somewhere that's quiet, the airport is pretty quiet these days. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing is, so with, with the whole Rod Phillips thing is, well, for, for, first a disclaimer, Rod Phillips was the chairman of Post Media. And of course, I've got a long history before as a comedian, I used to work at Post Media for over 10 years. I've, I've been in the meeting room with him, uh, you know, a few times when uh, Canada Post and Post Media were. Um, yeah. We well, don't want to be in a room now. But um, <laughs> so getting getting that disclaimer out of the way, um, like, he, yeah, I, I thought it was so sad because so when he came back from the vacation, like when so they they caught up to him at the airport and he's giving like this really sad, um, this sad uh, uh, press conference. And you could see in his eyes and in his answers, he thought he was going to be able to keep his job. I was like. I don't think the dude is paying attention. No, like, he doesn't know. It's so hard because everybody's like hearing the words, but all they see is the tan. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the other thing too is I feel like the, um, 
the the Albertans, you know, with with Jason Kenney, of course, as their uh, as their premier. I think he he's kind of screwed because there's so many people. I think yesterday was eight. There's probably more since I last read the story, and I think that's 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 too much to clear out. Like that's like a lot of people. So he's kind of stuck with it. I don't, I don't think he can make, if it's like a few people, you can make an example, but you can't get rid yeah. of like eight people. <laughs> yeah, so the entire government. Yeah. Which, you know what? That'd be fine. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> I'd well, be okay with that. But well, you know, the, the funny thing is, so, you know, with, with Alberta, it's funny. Cause I, I lived in Alberta. I started my comedy career in Alberta and it was very conservative back then. It was, you know, height of the oil boom. Everything was going well. Housing prices like tripled in like one year. Um, and then when I left Alberta to come to Toronto, um, then, you know, everything, you know, the oil sands were having trouble. Everything kind of went down. So then they elected an NDP government. And then yeah. now, I guess it's they're, they're they back. The socialists when the money dries up. <laughs> yeah, and so now, now I guess they're back to uh, to supporting conservatives. And as we've seen across different countries, the conservative governments and their um, or conservative leaning governments and the propensity for individualism is not what you need during a pandemic. But the good thing is, I think the people might have that that socialist swing in them again in Alberta because. Um, because uh, Jason Kenney and his government have like the lowest approval ratings right now of anybody um, a- a- across the country. Um, I'm just going to mention a few comments here. I'll put them on. Um, we we've got our our, our YouTube commenter. Um, he left a few comments about gays being selfish. Um, I was, <laughs> I'll. Uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I will, I, you know, I, I will say later on we are talking about ab- about about Alexander Wang and, uh, and and gay culture and how sometimes it's it's not totally up to current standards. That's specifically around um, consent and sexual consent and stuff. But anyhow, we, we will get to gay. So uh, thanks for leaving that comment. But we're probably gonna um, not touch it during during this segment. Um, <laughs> And, Unlike uh, Alexander Wang, who liked touching it. Yeah, well, yeah a little too much. <laughs> um, and we've got uh, we've got David, who's uh, saying uh, that there are there there uh, are uh, staff snitches, which thank God there are, otherwise we wouldn't know this shit. Um, and Robin yeah. says she's going to uh, to uh, Antigua for a week on the twenty third, so she better uh, or 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 they they better not run for office, which is um, <laughs> which is which is which is pretty funny. But yeah, no, you know, our politicians should be held to a higher standard. Um, you know, I get it; it's they not should. illegal, but it's it's not great either. Um, so what what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, I'm going to open this back up to the panel and ask an associated question, which is, um, you know. You know, these politicians are basically saying, do what I say, not what I do. Um, have you had an experience in your life where you've instructed somebody to do something that you weren't willing to do yourself, either as a parent, in a work situation? Well, what I, time is it? Like, I mean, 20 minutes ago, maybe. <laughs> it's like, I mean, there's, there's, different, there's, there's stuff I'm not willing to do, but I will do it if I have to. But if I don't have to and I can make an intern do it, I will do that. <laughs> you know, like if I can delegate something I don't want to do to somebody else, 
but they're being paid to do it. So it's fine. (laughs) Like I once sent somebody like back in my environmental engineering days, I once like we we were like digging out this excavation. We lifted up this slab of bedrock that we didn't know was going to come up. And there's like pools of like toxic stuff down there. So I sent an intern down, but I, but I had him, I had him buy a mask first from Canadian tire, put the mask on, like, you know, like completely prevent him from dying. And then I sent him down with the, uh, the old vapor meter so we could figure out how bad things were. Uh, wow. I don't think I can top that. I mean, you know, unless we're going by quantity, then yes, yeah. for the last 24 years as a parent, I'm, it's always do as I say, not as I do cigarette hanging out of my mouth, wine, bottle of wine in my hand. Yeah. I- you know, for me, I've, I've been in a few leadership positions, like as mentioned, at Post Media and different companies. And for me, it's actually the reverse. So I'm very good with like, I would never ask somebody to do something I wouldn't do myself. Like if we had a presentation the next day and we had to stay at work till 3 a.m., like I, I would stay there. I would never let somebody have to stay overnight if, if, I, yes. if I wasn't going to do it. And now let's, I'll just say that was very rare. That'd be for like, you know, board presentations where like the future of the company is at stake. So, you know, there, there are times you have to do things, but I would never just leave um, staff members. For me, it's actually the opposite because I'm so extreme that I actually kind of like Michael Jordan syndrome. You, it, it's, um, yeah, it, as opposed to like, you know, like do what I say, not what I do. It's more, you know, understand do that what I'm, I do or die. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me it's more like, okay, I need to understand that I'm like a crazy ass hoe and people have lives outside of work. And I need to respect that. Even if I'm a crazy hoe who doesn't do much out of work, especially at that time in my life. So for me, it was, it was definitely the, 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 the opposite of that. But, uh, but yeah, for politicians, I don't know, people. This is ridiculous. Thankfully, we're in a, a we live in a country where we can vote people out, and uh, the results of elections are upheld. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, on that note, we're gonna transfer to our next hot topic, and we're gonna go back to Leonard for this one, actually, because uh, we are going to talk about Star Wars and Star Wars fans' reactions to a very big moment in the galaxy. Yeah. Um, so since we've already spoiled this in the last episode, which, by the way, I was amongst those for whom it was spoiled. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, you know, uh, in the season finale of Mandalorian, Luke Skywalker shows up. And um, so I basically started watching Star Wars reaction videos because I needed to know what it might have felt like to be able to see it without it being spoiled. It was my way of living through them vicariously, uh, you know, just to see them, you know, the, the tear, like they were crying. Like, honestly, it was like watching, like somebody watching porn, but not in a gross way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a very bad example. Like, they were like, no, but it was like they were nerdgasming. Like, you could see they're like, oh, my God. Oh my god, is it really? Is it a green lightsaber? <gasps> you know, love it. <gasps> and like just what and then like when the reveal comes, it's like just some of them are like just straight up mm. cry. It's a, it was great. It was nice crying? to watch like fans being Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely straight crying. up crying, girl. You know? well, it's nice, yes, there was so much joy. It was like unbridled joy. And it was very heartwarming to watch. And I think especially, you know, in a time when joy is in short supply. So I was uh, so I was watching that, and it was actually nice. 
Mm. Wow. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I do this for everything that's spoiled. <laughs> lost on me. Like once again, just lost on me. I mean, the closest I can come to that feeling, maybe not crying, but maybe the <gasps> what is Bridgerton. Like that, I've been watching uh, that. Yeah. So I sorry, Star Wars, but Bridgerton's fine. It's to each their own, you know? Yeah. Like like you're a fan of Bridgerton. I don't know what the fuck that is. And then Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> Is there a whole other fan? Now you know how I I'm feel. Sure, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there doing Bridgerton cosplay. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Oh, like you do know what song. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's the, Brid- it's, it's the next hottest uh, Halloween Halloween outfits for sure. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, j- uh, for, for those listening, uh, Bridgerton is the new Shonda Rhimes TV show for oh. Netflix. Um, okay. Well, Shonda Rhimes is pretty goddamn good at putting together a TV show. So I yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I was I'm actually still halfway through her uh, the master class on how to create a TV show. Oh, is that good? Uh, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning all the things that I'm like, ah, fuck, I should have done that. I should have done that. I should have done that. Uh, I just saw the, tra- the like the trailer for it. <laughs> it's I good. That. It's just all honestly, all it is is just like knowing everything about your characters, like doing a shit ton of research, and just being very, very good at creating <laughs> conflict. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so speaking of conflict, it, it's funny because as we know, prior to this moment where Luke Skywalker came back, um, it, 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 Luke Skywalker kind of united the whole fandom of Star yeah. Wars because. You know, with the Last Jedi, we won't get into it, but it it didn't. It at the very least, whether oh, you liked it, it or not, um, it definitely split the fan base. And so this was a moment where the fan base finally came back together, and you know, cl- you know, clutching uh, defeat from the hands of victory, Lucasfilm and one of their executives, I think one of their creative whatever um, people, um, Pablo Hidalgo, came out. And started making fun of Star Wars Theory, who has like almost three million followers on YouTube. Like his videos, his videos get like tons of shit. And so he participated in a Twitter thread that was making fun of him because he was crying, of course, very emotional. And what makes it worse is he's emotional about Luke Skywalker because he had cancer as a kid. And uh, watching Star Wars is what got him through his chemo. So all those emotions came back up. He's crying. Now people are making fun of him on Twitter, which... Which he was like, you know why that sucks that people are like online bullying me for crying because it reminds me of my cancer treatments. But he was, but then he was like, to have a Lucasfilm employee come out and make fun of me because they call all Star Wars fans, you know, man baby cry babies in their basements because, uh, because you know, so so this is so this, there's different parts of Lucasfilm, right? So I'm not gonna like. I'm not going to jump into it too much, but, uh, you know, Pablo Hidalgo is part of the Lucasfilm that we're really championing um, the new, you know, The Last Jedi and all that. So he's taking it personally when people hated his movie, but now love that Luke Skywalker came back. And it got so big, this whole thing, because Star Wars Theory has so many followers, Lucasfilm could not just ignore this. Like, it blew up everywhere, at least in my world. This whole... You know, Pablo versus Star Wars theory, it just blew up to the point where like um where 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 like industry publications picked up the story, like Variety ran a story about it. Whoa. And then other other places picked it up. And then Variety 
you know, pissed off fans more. Okay, so actually, I, I should rewind. So the actual comment that Pablo Hidalgo made was um, emotions are not to be shared. So basically telling him to, like, you know, don't... Yeah, hmm. suck it up. Why are you crying? But then Pablo Hidalgo came out and said, oh, he was just being sarcastic. But um, this is where people are mad at Variety because Variety is reporting it as like a misunderstanding and that Star Wars theory is like overreacting, like, you know, being outraged so he can get more clicks and stuff. But and as we know, that that does work. Sometimes people do like do fake outrage. But I think this is real outrage because um, Pablo Hidalgo... Um, you can't give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been trolling fans since The Last Jedi. There's like literally Reddit threads showing him attacking fans. So now Variety's just going to not like how are Reddit like forums doing a better job of reporting this than Variety? Like the receipts are out there. How how can you say it's a misunderstanding? So, OK, so anyway. This is all a lot of drama. I know Veronica's looking at me like, yeah, okay, like, get to the point. I need a flowchart. Yeah, we're, I need a flowchart. <laughs> okay, so the question I want to ask is kind of bringing it back um, to something that all three of us can answer um, to not leave Veronica out. Um, <laughs> there, there, there is this whole thing of like some people feel like, um, like you know, uh, that Disney tried to go in a way and the fandom rejected it, but now the fandom kind of won because you know, quote-unquote won, because now they're kind of getting what they want. And so my question is, um, and I'll, I'll throw this out to Veronica first, and she's kind of been left out of the topic so far. <laughs> yes. is, Just my mouth has been gaping open. Is, like, is how much of an influence should an audience have over your narrative choices? Like, like you personally, when you're writing your comedy, how much do you actually consider the audience? And sort of a a sub-question within that is also, you know, comedians know a thing or two about antagonistic um, uh, audiences because we're right there, we get heckled. So are there experiences you've had where an audience has been, you know, so just yeah, those, those two things. Let's, let's, let's start with that, Veronica. So uh, uh, considering the audience in comedy, um, <laughs> no, unless, unless I'm, Unless I'm trying to get them to follow me. No, you know what? The worst thing that's ever happened to me is that uh, for some reason I thought it would be a good idea to bring out my jokes on menopause uh, <laughs> to a crowd of 20-something-year-old boys. And I was just like, I could just see they were just horrified as if I was bleeding directly on them. But actually, it would be the opposite since it's menopause. I, You know what? Catering to your audience, Let, let's be honest, once you get to a certain point, if we're talking about something Star Wars-like, they have screenings. Like, they have screenings to see which ending is going to do better, and we know they change endings if, like, one narrative doesn't work, so there's alternate endings. Uh, would I do it? Not at this point, because I'm not making any money. When I'm making money, <laughs> ask me then. <laughs> yeah. Then I, was, I might do whatever you want. I was about to say, money changes everything. Money changes everything. Extent, I think yeah. you still have to be true to your art, but at the end of the day, especially I mean, me, like if I'm doing shows, I'm getting paid 
to make the audience laugh. If I see they really don't like a certain line of jokes or this type of joke does not really appeal to them for what because of just the demographics of that crowd, I'll switch it up. Exactly. You know, like I was in New York, I was doing shows, and then I remember I was like, oh, New York, they hate Trump, this will be easy. So I started doing some Trump jokes, and I could literally feel everybody's asshole shrink up, and I was just like, oh, what's going on? And I realized, oh, they're all tourists from the Midwest, because uh. I was in so I was like, wow. <laughs> so I need to be like, just ch- switch it up. I was just like, oh, no, 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 I like Trump because I'm Chinese. I think walls are great. And I was just like, okay, let's do talk about something else. Because <laughs> I wanted to get my money. I wanted to get, you know, like, yeah, job, right? You're right. Money changes art. And if your name is Art and you hand me cold, hard cash, I will change whatever you want, honey. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think like you have to please your fans and give them a little bit of you what do. they want because that's what they're there for. But you also yeah. have to surprise them. And it also has to be done well. Like fan service can cut both ways, right? It all depends on execution. Like the final, the season finale of Mandalorian was great because that fit within the story. Everything in the season was driving towards that moment. And to, so that payoff was amazing because at the time in the, like in the show, like now Luke Skywalker is the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy. So it's like, oh, that is so cool. Right, but then you have like something like the rise of Skywalker, which they tried to do fan service, and it made it into the shittiest movie because it made no sense from a story perspective. It was just shoehorned in to be like, "Hey, fans, we're giving you some stuff." Like they brought back Palpatine, which is so stupid because now Snoke is pointless, and then they made Rey Palpatine's granddaughter. And I was like, "But the previous movie said she was a nobody, and that was the whole point of the message that anybody can be a Jedi." And then they. Han Solo and like Luke Skywalker had like nice, artful, meaningful deaths, and then they're like, "But now you're back as ghosts." <laughs> it's like fuck. So like they tr- like, so you got to do it what right? Like you can't just mm-hmm. pander. That's the difference. Yes, that's, that's the difference. Like if I'm especially in comedy, I'm not gonna like I want the audience to be happy, but I refuse to pander. Like yeah, it's I'm still a fine gonna happy, but I'm gonna do it my way. Actually, it's not a fine line. It's a, it, you just, you just have to be smart enough to know when to pivot if you have to do it instantaneously too. That's the other thing. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, there's certain, like, okay, like I'll, I'll know some comedians who will go out there and they'll be like, oh, like, you know, like maple leaves or rap, raptors. Yeah, we both the raptors when they were doing well. Not now. Uh, now everybody just starts crying. But <laughs> You know, have all those raptors, and people start cheering. They're like, "Yeah, raptors!" And they count that as an applause break. I was like, "Yo, that doesn't count oh. as an applause break. That's pandering." <laughs> that's, like, that's, I, that takes away from me. That's a negative. <laughs> that's an applause break. You didn't earn that, and that's the thing. Fan service only works when the moment that is meant to elicit the applause and the tears is earned. Yeah, I, I think. Right. I think. We were really lucky because I think, you know, I, I'll say mainly due to the success of Game of Thrones, this whole idea of like misdirection and subversion of expectations just got a little bit out of control, you know, from and I know people love Thor Ragnarok, but like from Thor Ragnarok to The Last Jedi to the Game of Thrones ending, I, I'm happy that it all kind of came together. It, it, like definitely with the Game of Thrones season eight and um and uh, and the Last Jedi, where the whole subversion of expectations got so far that like it didn't make sense, and that's why I love Game of Thrones the first three or four seasons because you know what I really didn't want some of that shit to happen, 
But when you think about it, it was a logical outcome. I'm like, I don't want yeah. it to happen. And kind of like, kind of like with, with Luke Skywalker showing up, a lot of people were like, it makes sense story-wise, but I, I don't dare to dream that big. So it's like, you're hoping, you're hoping. So it did divert expectations. People were like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It might. And then when it happened, you're screaming because you're like, it actually makes sense. Because one word I want to throw out yeah. there as far as like, you know, with uh, with subversion of expectations is narrative integrity. Like the twist mm-hmm. only works if mm-hmm. it makes sense. And that's why The Red Wedding to me is one of the best written things I've ever seen in my life. Like it was all, it all fucking made sense. I did not want it to happen, but yeah. I can't I say it didn't it's, make sense. It's, it, it just under underscores the importance of logic. Yeah. When you, like narrative logic, when you're writing something, like once you break the narrative logic, when you when you introduce these cracks, then you lose the trust of the audience, and then you can't get these awesome payoffs because you're not building to it. Uh, out of curiosity, though, just did you read the Game of Thrones before you read? I, I did. Sorry, did you read the Game of Thrones before you watched it, or did you just were you just watching it? I did it in reverse. <laughs> I watched it, then I read. Yeah, you know, cause I don't know if you've ever seen like reaction videos for Game of Thrones stuff, when like the stuff like the Red Wedding, stuff like the Mountain oh. versus Viper, and it's so funny because you there, there's this one series of reaction videos which is like a whole bar of people like back when you could have people in bars, and they were like watching these episodes, and you could see the people who had read the books and the people who hadn't because the people like in the Mountain versus the Viper, like you know. Oh. Like the, which, you know, same actor, Pedro Pascal, Mandalorian and whatever. So we're really tying it together. Knocks down the mountain and it looks like, and all these bar people are like, yeah! And then there's some people sitting at the bar just like, because <laughs> they know exactly what's about to happen. They're just like, Ugh. and then when it happens, everybody else is like, Ugh! and then these people uh, are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, then, that, that's another great moment where it, it you don't want it to happen, but it, it kind of makes sense as well. So yeah. it's, you yeah. know, you know, to, to, to answer the, the question on the, on the narrative of how much an audience in, should influence that, I've got an interesting relationship with the audience because, you know, I'm, I'm a gay Asian comedian, but I started out in Alberta. So I didn't perform in front of an Asian audience or gay audience like for 10 years of my career. And so it's, it's, it's funny. I had to find a way to not pander, but still like be relatable. Um, And so for me, I kind of like, you know, so, so people know my tagline is official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And what that is, is like, it was actually written for Alberta because when I would say gay, they would gasp. They'd be like, (gasps) Like literal gasps. <laughs> then I'd say super cute, and then they'd be like, "Okay, he's cool." So, <laughs> so my way of I, it's like I'm not trying to antagonize the audience, but like when something's right in front of you, like for me, you kind of have to like knock it out first, and then win them over. Then they'll kind of be with you. So it is a bit of an antagonistic relationship. And I guess my comedy is kind of on the edge, probably because I started out in that environment. 
And so it's different from pandering, but it's also different from like just ignoring them as well. Because obviously I put in a line that I, I don't really use that line in Ontario. Obviously, I'm much older now, but because it was made to bring in the audience. So I, I will try to bring them in. I, I do think, too, it's about career path, because um, if you're doing like a lot of corporate shows um, or, or, or touring clubs where basically if people are coming in not knowing who you are to the show, that's very different than, say, a show, you know, like Rice or, you know, one of those, like, if you build it, they will come shows where your face is all over the poster and it's your mailing list. So those shows, I 100%, like, it's me. Even if the audience doesn't quite get it, it advertises me. So if you didn't look me up, that's your fault. Um, But, you know, like, you know, Google somebody before you come. But also, I know half the audience at least will be with me, and they'll their laughter will help win over the rest of the audience. Um, and so, but you know, but because I started out in like the club circuit and in a fairly hostile environment, at least for my demographics, um, and I found success. It it is, you know, I'm not saying to that the audience doesn't matter because like i said i i i I do put in lines that help bring them in but yeah um it's i don't really even know what i'm saying i'm just saying it's 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 a tough mix and i know what it's like yeah um but there is a balance you can do because i had to do that balance for the first 10 years of my career and um yeah it's i don't know i think you do i think you do what you gotta do to survive and get paid without feeling icky Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think yeah. better way to put it. Just exactly. As, as, as soon as you start feeling icky about it, yeah. then it's like, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm doing something wrong. But then you gotta decide, like, how much money am I making? Is it worth the ick? <laughs> but then you don't want to get stuck into the worst thing that can happen is if you find a lot of success doing something icky, then it's like now you're trapped being an icky person. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's, we that's now you're just like, you just in. just don't do it. Yeah. Don't go down that path because yeah. it might lead you somewhere that you cannot escape. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That that's a that's a great point to end that topic. Um, and uh, thank you, Veronica. I know we kind of uh, veered away from, uh, you know, I, but uh, definitely, I, I love your answer. I mean, I know I need Cliff's notes. I'm like, I only knew Luke Skywalker and Han Solo in that whole conversation. It's like I recognize those names. <laughs> well, you know, we I definitely loved getting your viewpoint on the uh, on the audience and narrative. Um, but uh, now we're we're gonna go over to the next topic, which is from Veronica, and it is about the future of cinema. Take it away. The future of cinema. What's going to happen after the pandemic? Dun, dun, dun. So uh, obviously, not obviously, but the future of cinema is threatened because with how long this has lasted, you know, are people going to go back to the theater? Who's going to go? Who's going to go back in there? We potentially could be in lockdown until summer again. And, you know, they're losing money. And if we do open up cinemas again, what are we going to do with 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 those spaces? Are we going to watch movies in those spaces again? Or are we just going to? Are we so used to live streaming now and watching it on Netflix and uh, on even on the Cineplex app? Are we ever going to go back? Does anyone ever want to leave their home to go watch these these movies? I mean, I for one do. I like the experience of going to the movie theater. Um, 
but I mean, also, too, I am a mom. So I generally go to kids' movies and I take a two-hour nap, which I pay $14 for, which is perfectly <laughs> fine. It's like the best money I've ever spent. Um, I, I would honestly miss, miss cinemas if they, if they were gone. I would actually like them to go back to the smaller cinemas, you know, with those creaky old chairs. And, you know, I just, mm. I like that experience. And I hope they don't go away. Well, I mean, well, the small cinemas have already been going away. Those are rarer and rarer. Like, you'll I notice, know. like, they don't really do a lot of art house movies that often. Like, no. now that there's, like, different ways to distribute it. I think, like, to your point, yeah, I think people are going to go back because these things are, it's different when you're watching a movie and it's a shared experience, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you guys watch Get Out in cinemas. Like, I was no, specifically I to go watch Get Out in the theaters because people were talking during the movie, but not in a way where you're like, oh, shut the fuck. Like, they were, like, hilarious talking. Yeah. And, like, if I was sitting at home watching Get Out, I would not get the experience of watching interracial couples walking in all happy and then leaving <laughs> after the movie, <laughs> looking at each other with side eye going, oh, my God, you want to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> you don't get that at home. So, uh, you know, and I, yeah, Blair Witch, we wouldn't be able to watch Blair Witch at home. Yeah, which, by the way, I, I did watch Blair Witch at home. You know how I watched Blair did Witch? You? Just completely side story. I watched, I, I, I managed to like get a pirated copy before <laughs> it really hit cinemas. And because of that, like I was told that it was actual footage, which I believed, oh. and it scared the shit out of me. So it worked um. really. Was it on VHS? No, no, no. It was like downloaded off uh, Napster, I believe. Oh, oh wow. wow! Whoa! Like Napster or LimeWire, like one of those two. It wow! Was just, it, yeah, but there is something to that shared experience. There is. But yeah. you'll notice that, like, especially now, everything everything's being like it's mostly like blockbuster movies that they do because it's like just the more money. There is like you need these big theatrical releases, and they're not yeah. doing rom coms. There's no stars anymore that can like push any of these yeah. other types of movies, right? So now movie execs have real tough decisions to make because these are like they have all this money tied up in these like big tentpole movies, right? Like Tenet cost over two hundred million dollars. They are not making that back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's sad though. I feel like an era will disappear. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's possible, but I, I think it's just. What's going to happen is it's going to push towards more big budget event movies. Yeah. And that's just really all it's going to be. And then a lot of the, and maybe they'll take chances making smaller movies, but they're not going to be, like, it's just going to like widen the gulf where it's going to be like, oh, we're spending a hundred million dollars. Like when cinemas come back, mm-hmm. we'll be spending a hundred million dollars these movies. That's what's going to play in cinemas. And then there's going to be a bunch of like te- five to like $20 million movies that play on like, all the streaming services, mm. you know, like Disney plus has moved a lot to like Disney's moved a lot towards streaming. Paramount has been selling their movies to streaming services. So like coming to America got sold to Amazon, the trial of Chicago seven went to Netflix. That's Aaron Sorkin's. Um, some cinema chains are, uh, sorry, movie studios are doing sort of a combined thing where they do have like an abridged theatrical release. And then they transition that to streaming. But for them, to, like Universal and Warner Brothers is doing that, but they had to really make deals with uh, the cinema chains like AMC and Cinemark yeah. and Regal because they didn't want the cinemas to be like, we're not going to show this because you're streaming it already, right? So just camera. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. And, would you go back though? Would you go back? Eventually. Yeah. It had to be worth, but I was already not really going that much. Like it had to be like a big thing. Yeah, that's true. Like a that's Marvel true. movie. Yeah. Or like a Star Wars movie. Or like something I wanted to watch in IMAX or something I couldn't do at home, you know? Yeah. I think for, for, for me, I'm going to jump in. Just, just a quick heads up to uh, Leonard. I think you're coming in kind of blurry. I think the, the focus has shifted on your on your oh, lens. Um, so I'll let you take care of that while I, while I give my answer. But for me, um, the magic of cinema... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fixed. You look much better. Um, the, <laughs> the magic of cinema, I really found out when I watched Psycho. So Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, one of my yes. favorite movies of all time. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I first saw it on like at home, but then I saw it in the theater um, afterward at like a festival or whatever and a, a revival. And there's things that you don't understand until you're in the cinema. So like, Ooh. for instance, some of his framing, like so when they're driving, when he wants to make you uncomfortable, he's like mm. just a little too close in the framing yeah. and you see the whole audience kind of leans back just a little bit and so like a master like alfred hitchcock he does things with the assumption you're in the cinema and mm. like and and honestly that shower scene is not the same at home like in the mm-hmm. cinema with the thing blaring um that uh, streak, eek, 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 and that thing coming at you in first person view, mm-hmm. literally the whole audience was holding their hand up like we were being stabbed. And that, yeah, you, you, you don't feel that at home. And so I do think it makes a bigger difference when the director is a master of his craft. But like an Alfred Hitchcock movie at home doesn't, like that really opened my eyes. I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is not yeah. the same movie. This is... Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I like doing? I watch movies in VR. So you sit in a movie oh. theater in VR and it's like the huge screen. And you can do it with like other people too. So I don't know if they're going to go to that. Does it feel the same though as like when you go? Because for, okay, although I could, I think I'd appreciate VR in that way, but I, I still like that whole, like I feel like even just talking about it, I can smell the sticky seats. And you're like, I don't know what that stickiness <laughs> what is. Are you going to. Oh. Well. <laughs> Sometimes in the back row. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I miss, like, you know, it's just the whole atmosphere. It just, yeah. to, to me, yeah. it's like a, I mean, it's gotten way more expensive. But for me, yeah. maybe it's just like a, a like a childhood, like, youthful thing. It's like almost yeah. like that stand by me nostalgia yeah. or whatever. It just yeah. feels yeah. like. I, I wonder yeah. if movie theaters to us is going to be like drive-ins for old people. Like, yeah, we're going to yeah, be the yeah. last people hanging on, and the new generation is going to be like, why did people ever do this? Well, the irony is because of COVID, so, we're going back to drive I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. Well, <laughs> you're in your self-contained, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. air bubble. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think people are going to go back. It's just yeah. so much a part of who we are as a society. Um, I think it's going to be less. And I think some of these cinema chains, you know, they might – they might not survive this, depending on how long this goes. And then, like, some of the major movie studios are probably going to buy them up on the cheap. Mm. Uh, but, like, yeah, but the other day, like, my wife was saying to me, she was like, you know, the one thing, because she doesn't go out much, she likes to stay in and read, but she's like, the one thing I miss was going out and going to see a movie and eating popcorn. See? See? So there is, about the no, I, Ask her about that? the sticky floors. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we clean up after ourselves. <laughs> 
considerate people, Veronica. I could see like small art house type theaters mm. coming back where they show things like Hitchcock and like, you know, I, that would be cool too. I'd go to those just, you know, for the experience. Yeah, it'd be hard for those to come back though because it's so expensive. Yeah. Just like have all that space. Like we're, you know, like they're already, they were already dying before the pandemic. I so I don't see. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think it might be like newspapers where just, super rich people buy it up because they yeah. want the influence but they don't yeah. need to make money kind of like in toronto the guy who bought um paradise um yeah because a guy a woman. oh or 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 a woman sorry oh no I, I shouldn't have assumed um so the 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 person who bought paradise like they renovated it in all the articles it was saying that you know they don't really care if they make a profit it's like a passion project for them yeah good so, because they're not gonna no, <laughs> um, so it's good that they don't care. Yeah. You have to not care. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll give him a free shout out because I, I did watch a movie at Paradise, and it is a gorgeous. Like you can tell, this person is not trying to make money; they just want it to look the best possible. Oh, wow. And uh, you know, we were trying to have rice. Um, we we're trying to have rice at at their venue, but then obviously everything kind of um, kind yeah. of uh, blew up. Uh, <laughs> That would be a great venue to have it. Like, I've uh, a friend of mine, he, he was in talks with the owner about putting together a series of comedy shows for that. Uh, yeah. It would have been great. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, we have a whole bunch of comments. I'll, I'll sort of. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll scroll through them as, as somebody else is giving their answer, but I uh, just want to acknowledge. Uh, uh, Robin from Facebook and uh, and uh, Zaka Nader nineteen from Twitch. I, I I do see your comments. I I I will I will read them once we um, get started on the next topic, um, which is actually one of my topics. And uh, it is this woman named well her her actual name is let me look this up it's a mia Ponsetto, and she is being called a um, she is being called the soho karen this is one of those videos oh my god i, I call this segment this a uh, new weekly segment called this bitch getting on my last nerve and this is this week's <laughs> bitch who getting on my last nerve she is oh and by the way just so people know when gays use the word bitch, it really is gender neutral because, in fact, I would say I'm more call. Um, I probably use the word bitch ass hoe to describe Kevin Durant more than I do any actual female. Um, <laughs> so, it, uh, so just in case you're thinking I'm being, you know, misogynist, no, actually, in the gay world, it, it actually is probably applied to men more than women. But no, so when I say, you know, this bitch getting on my last nerve, this Soho Karen. She goes into this hotel. Um, it's the Arlo Hotel in Soho. Um, and I, I actually think I might have stayed at this hotel. Arlo sounds very familiar because I, I, I go to New York quite quite often, or at least I used to. And so she is going up to this black jazz musician, um, Keon Harold, who's like actually well-known. Um, if you know jazz, he's actually worked with like Jay-Z and Beyonce and shit. And like... Yeah. The Arlo Hotel is not like a cheap hotel. Like it is a nice luxury hotel. Like, um, so they're walking downstairs, going for breakfast, and this crazy Karen <laughs> comes up to them and starts screaming at this 14-year-old kid saying, You've got my iPhone, take it out of the case and give me back my iPhone. 
And the dad steps in. He's like, um, we're just going to breakfast. And she's like, I know it's my iPhone. That's not my case, but that's my iPhone. And the dad's like, so you think this is the only iPhone? Like, this is really the only iPhone in the world. And then she's like, well, let me see it. Let me see it. And he's like, no, I don't need to show you anything. I don't know you. You have nothing to do. And then the part that really pisses me off, well, one of the many things, is the manager comes in and sides with the Karen. So he's like, well, why don't you just show her the phone? Why don't you show her the phone? Why don't you show her the phone? And like, I I love this man. I love this jazz musician, Keon Harold, because he's like, no, I don't have to show her shit. Who is she? Why is she trying to touch my son's phone? Um, But this guy, he just you know, obviously biased. Um, he's just saying, Oh, I'm just trying to help the situation. He's like, by taking her side, like how is like taking my son's phone? Like she does not deserve to touch my son's phone. And then to make it worse, like those two are clearly coming downstairs from their suite. They're actual guests. This woman isn't even a guest. She's just a random person who walked in the lobby. So you're going to take the side of a random, you know, crazy bitch who is in your lobby um, attacking your guests as opposed to taking the side of your guests just because they're black. And then, so he asked the woman like, you know, are you doing this because we're black? And she's like, Oh no, 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 whatever. And then this crazy bitch is like, I ain't letting you leave. I ain't letting you leave on my iPhone. I ain't letting you leave. And then she lunges and does like, Oh my God. She, she like lunges at the 14 year old, like it's fucking WWE. Um, like, Oh my God, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. And then I I can't even like this whole situation. And then at the end of the day, they found out that, you know, you know, crazy hoe left her phone in, in Uber who like came up later and was like, Hey, is this your phone? Okay. So, this bitch like she traumatized this little 14 year old it wasn't even her phone this stupid i don't know if i'm matter at her or at the manager i don't know what is going on um so you know first first yeah. let's get our panel's reaction to this story um like, before we get to like the the overarching question let's go with veronica first obviously this bitch has never st- stolen a thing in her life like she's only claimed to like to People have taken things to her because if you've even shoplifted, how in the hell are you going to have time to put a case on it and claim that it's you just shove that thing in your pants or wherever the hell you shoplifted it? Just logistics. And then second of all, like it's she came in from the Uber, didn't she? She wasn't in the hotel like she was in the lobby. Yeah, so I just, to me, it's like everything about it was just completely ridiculous. And then when you watch the video, she's lunging towards them. She's lunging. And then she says that I'm not that kind of person. (laughs) I was like, clearly you are. And then apparently she's done this uh, somewhere else, too. So this is not her only incident. This is a thing she does. I wouldn't be surprised if the phone she has is actually from an incident where she's pulled back, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know. It's a, a fucked up thing. And um, unfortunately, I mean, that's not the first time things like that have happened. Think, like, is it is it awful to say? Not awful, but it's, thank goodness he was a well-known musician. Because if it was just Joe Blow, can you imagine how much more they would have had to go through? 
Oh my! Well, so this woman, she's she's still on the loose. Um, she's they, still on the loose. The the police have not yet decided to charge her with anything, but they're saying they might. But there was a protest in front of the police station, being like, "You better change that might to should." But they haven't been able to locate this woman. Um, they know she's in Soho somewhere, and I feel like this has gone so viral. Somebody gonna find this hoe because this hoe needs to be found um we got a comment from david saying graphics and uh i did put up a photo of her lunging at the kid i have the video um maybe next week i'll start showing videos i'm just worried because like youtube does a lot of like content strikes for like showing videos and shit so i don't know we'll see i'll try it next week um and hopefully nobody takes down our videos but yeah the best i could do is show a um a still image um of of what's happening um and yeah it literally looks like oh who's who's that wrestler the the bald one it's like his move was like the the uh the uh the spear goldberg or whatever oh yeah 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 Yeah, that's what this bitch did on a 14 year old like like you crazy hoe you really that crazy like you lucky he was a jazz musician i i don't know man a lot of people would have you do like a wrestling finishing move on somebody's 14 year old. Mm, it ain't going to go well for you, Karen. You, no. you better hope the police come at that point. Like you crazy. You, somebody yeah. need to put her in jail before she gets hurt. Cause New Yorkers, they don't give a shit. Even Soho New Yorkers, <laughs> they will protect How can they not find her though. Um, I don't know. I don't know. They, uh, I don't know, y'all. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's getting national, international press at this point because the video yeah. is so bizarre, so it bizarre. Was- yeah. Um. So I, I, I have read the comments from, um, from, uh, from Zachinator nineteen talking about racial extremists and how they disarm themselves, um, um, because people always say, you know, well, what if? This was, you know, so we had changes of like, you know, what if that was a white woman with her 14 year old son and then like a black man (laughs) did like a wrestling move. I'm pretty sure the police would find the resources to like catch the hoe by now. I'm pretty sure. I don't think anybody doubts that at all. Um, He wouldn't have made it out of the hotel, first of all. Um, And uh, yeah, and you know, I I definitely get a lot of your your other comments on on, on Zachernator. We might we might pick that up on a future topic so uh so thank you for uh for for submitting that and yes maybe in the next two to three hundred years we will have peace but uh <laughs> probably not right now <laughs> I, I i i will say i will admit like so I, at the beginning of, of of their comment they mentioned racial extremists i will say I, I am considered a bit of a racial extremist i've been a human rights activist for a long time my first album coming out later this year is literally titled yellow supremacist so maybe i'm not the best example of like peace in two to three hundred years for me the only way there's peace in 200 years is that we win <laughs> basically so um so uh there you go uh i'm pretty sure this, this greater good yeah i'm pretty sure this clip will come out later in my career and uh, stop me from getting on saturday night live <laughs> You know, like, like I said, it's sort of it is my comedy style. I'm I'm antagonistic. I'd rather 
put it out there and open up the conversation than to pretend that there is peace and everybody is, you know, all good. Because, like, I can't pretend that I, I don't want this woman to, like, either get caught or have somebody else find her first and do some other wrestling yeah. moves on her. Like, a 14-year-old. A 14-year-old I bitch. Know. And then after she got her phone from the Uber, she's still saying she was the one assaulted. There's video, bitch. There is video. I don't and know. she's done it before. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, there's a video. There is video. <laughs> We've Wait. all seen you. Girl, stop. Stop. Okay. I don't. Hopefully, next week, we have a different, you know, hoe who's getting on my last nerve. But we might have an update on this girl if somebody finds her and she makes the news otherwise. Um, so, say, please though. stay tuned. She yep. did it in slides. Did you notice that? She's wearing like slides. I was like, oh, I mean, that's <laughs> quite the lunge for someone who's wearing slides, which proves she's done it before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you for uh, for that lively debate on that uh, on that topic. So we're going to go to another hot topic. And this hot topic has to do with famous Gaijin fashion designer Alexander Wang or Wong, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, is accused of sexual assault from multiple people. You know, this is, this is usually what happens. You get one accuser and then you get lots of others. Um, generally stuff happening at, at, at the gay club, touching people when they weren't expecting to be touched, um, you know, different, (laughs) different things like that. Um, but you know, Oh, and then there there are more egregious things like people saying, "Oh yeah, I woke up and he was like giving me a blowjob." So it, it does get a little bit crazy, but um, you know, trying to open it up so that the 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 other people on the panel can actually have have a comment um, without getting canceled on this topic. I will say, you know, in twenty twenty one, especially you know, with the Me Too movement, everything. I think there's a bit more awareness around consent. But I will say the gay community is a little bit behind. Like, the things that... I'm not excusing it. What I'm saying is, you know, me... Like, there are different standards, and it doesn't just change overnight. So, you know, when I read the first half of the article about, you know, you're in a gay club and somebody grabs your penis, like, that's... That's literally saying hello. Like, I I don't know. Like, unless you're there, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's just, that's just how people, probably more Montreal than Toronto. In Toronto, they kind of stare at you, you know, from across um, the bar for two hours and send over a friend. That's like a very Toronto thing. But Montreal and San Francisco and New York, you go into a gay club, somebody's going to grab your penis. Like, un. Uh, like unless you're ugly, but you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But like, and even then, it's really rare because, like, with gay people, one of the best things I do like about gay people is there's so many fetishes. It doesn't matter how busted you look; somebody's into that shit. Are you missing an ear? Somebody's into that shit. Are you in a wheelchair? Somebody's into that shit. You're wrinkly. Somebody into that shit. So like, even if you're ugly, somebody will probably still grab your penis. You know. <laughs> Mr. So, can go down on me. Yeah, but will they wait until you drink a whole bottle of water that's been drugged? No. <laughs> like, is that, Listen, yeah. gay culture, you don't <laughs> gay culture, you don't really need to drug bitches because there's so many bitches who want to sleep with you anyway. 
Like, yeah, but you know, but it's sometimes it can be about power, right? That's the issue. Like some Bill Cosby didn't have to drug people, and he did anyways. You know, like yeah, yeah. That's the difference, right? Like I, I think, like <laughs> once you start exercising power in a way that is untoward, uh, it doesn't matter. It's like if you had options, you didn't use the good ones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you should yeah. be punished for that. Yeah, yeah that's it's, what it's about. About power. It is. I get it's about power, and like I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just love you just Be doing clear. the damnedest to get canceled. <laughs> like yellow supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, so I'm not sure if you noticed during the whole Me Too movement. Like, so usually gays and women are very much in tune as far as supporting each other. Like, especially when I was in university. Like, whenever the the women's center would go protest, you know, the gay the gay club would always like go protest with them. When the gay club went to protest something you know so many women came and like supported us i do think there is a split on consent and that's why not a lot of gay people came out in support of the me too movement like in fact if you looked at my feed there's a lot of people who are really anti me too who were gay and that was really surprising because gays usually stand with women and i do think it's around this idea of consent and gays there is a difference. And I say gay because I can only represent, you know, the gay part of it. That's why I'm not saying like LGBTQ. I'm not trying to exclude, but I'm saying specifically the male dominated gay bars. I don't know about the rest of the LGBTQ community, but specifically those bars running up and grabbing somebody's dick is not unusual. I have to say now waking up and having a stranger sucking your dick. Okay. Yeah. That's probably going a little bit too far. Um, unless he's a famous fashion designer, then you might be like, can I get some shoes? But it's still, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's so the, so the question is like, where does when the, when society at large, uh, yeah. or specifically Western society, because this, this has parallels all over the place. So it's like, yeah. yes, in gay culture, grabbing a crotch is cool. Of course, if you went to, if you just did that somewhere else, like in a straight bar, people be like, what are you doing? Right. And so yeah. I feel like if you're in this bar and like, that's just what people do and you accept it and they accept it, then fine. But I feel like because things are so dicey and tricky, you don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's there on the side of caution. <laughs> and also, like, the whole thing, what you just said, I didn't know that actually about um, uh, gay men and the Me Too movement. But also, like, let's just face it, physically, it's a man against man. Here, it's like a man against woman. And usually, men are stronger. So if someone's grabbing my crotch, I mean, actually, I'm just going to grab you back, like, to be honest, and but not in a friendly way. It's that, <laughs> that's, where, that's where there's a power imbalance. It's just, and also, too, like, let's not forget that Mr. Wang um, would have, because I read more of that article or maybe another story, is he would have people in his limo give them bottles of water and just wait for them to finish the water. <laughs> and they would be like, maybe this water is drugged. I mean, at that point, I'm like, get out of the limo. But still, at the same time, he's a creep. He's a creep. He wears his hair in a bob. He's a creep. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, know li- you know, listen, I, I, I do think some of the things I read in the article went a little bit too far. Um, for sure. I, I'm, I'm just you know, a very like a lot too far. I, I am just saying there is a nuance there, though, of when the overall society has decided to move the standards, but there's pockets that that affects um Mm. it's it's 
I do think there's a lot of things around consent. Um, so maybe let's not take it all the way to like sexual assault, but um, you know, with even the idea of like hugging. Um, so in the gay community, people are very touchy feely. Like even if I'm not groping you, like hugs, kisses, it's just very common. And then when the consent thing came, there was like a lot of teaching and it was just, I, I do think it is hard for the gays to, like, give up that part of their culture because, um, you know, friendly touching, non-sexual assault, literally just hugging now, you generally have to ask for consent before hugging somebody. And that wasn't gay culture at all. Like, coming up and, like, people are just very touchy-feely. Like, let me just put it that way. People are just very touchy-feely, like, all the time. But it was seen. It wasn't seen as creepy until the external standards got applied to the gay community, and I think the gay community is now trying to. I don't know. I don't know. Like, do maybe let let's apply this to Asians. Do you think Asians have like a different ideology of like how how consent works? I was gonna say. I I was like, Asians only touch each other to deliberately make other Asians. (laughs) <laughs> so or I don't think this is a problem I was going to say hug I don't hug yeah. maybe there, you know maybe like if you were like the CEO of a major company like Alibaba maybe you, you wouldn't consent to being uh, disappeared <laughs> but that's a whole other thing uh, yeah I, yeah there's I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I feel like that's like a, a, a culture that you're talking about, Vong. But this, I mean, this is specifically about assault, though. It's <laughs> it's specifically about assault. Yeah, but then now think about this. Then, like, what about like in uh, some Middle Eastern cultures where it's like, oh, they like honor killings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, and, but not here. Like where, but it happens there, and then you know, like, and people are just like, yeah, that's just. Because she dishonored the family. And, and over here, like, we put our standards on that. And we're like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's terrible. Yeah. But, like, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, because there are things that within a culture they don't think are terrible because it's just the way it is. And then, of course, people in the the enlightened culture, which, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to make that moral judgment. Obviously, murder is wrong. But, you know, <laughs> um that's the difference right like then how do you do you impose those values on uh, these pockets i guess and i guess like when people are like assaulted and they complain about it and they feel like at at any point i feel like if you do harm then that should be yeah if the other person feels harmed then it's harm if i feel if you grab my crotch and i happen to like it then it's not harm. If you grab my crotch, see, I yeah. feel like I'm setting myself up. If you grab my crotch and you don't have my permission, then yeah. I'm uh, going to deck you. Yeah. And I think, and yeah, when it's like an invasion of personal space, because there's also some instances where people will cry foul and they'll say you harm them, but they're yeah. being irrational. Like, for example, like Soho Karen. Like, she was yeah. like, I stole yeah. my phone. It's like, well, you're out yeah. of your mind, right? But like, it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It's, it's tricky, but I feel like once, like some, like the stuff that Alexander Wang did, like if it's true, I mean they broke the law for yeah, sure. That's, <laughs> so, yeah, that was just. And these are these time. are like, and not all laws are perfect. I think these ones are good. We should keep them. They're okay, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say, so when I used to go out clubbing a lot, um, it was like, you know, as a woman, you walk to the bathroom and you, you see them. It's like a school of fish because people grope you along the way or as you leave the, the washroom. So growing up, like in my early 20s, um, actually through my whole 20s and probably my early 30s, it's just something that you learn to navigate. And this is just something you know as a, a woman. And funny enough, actually, I went to a party and some guy grabbed my ass. And I was so offended because it was not the environment for that. It wasn't a club. It was like a house party. And then I turned around and I grabbed his balls. And I just held them there. And he said, you don't know me. And I said, exactly. <laughs> and it was like such a surprise to him to make that uh, comparison. And I thought, wow, do you really not know that that's probably not something that women uh, like? Yeah, but he's a man and he's allowed. Well, then I can grab your crotch. Then, I can, then I'm allowed to grab your crotch whenever I dare. If you see me on the street, I will grab your crotch if I please. I look and forward you should to not say anything to me. <laughs> Now I have something to look forward to for the end of this pandemic. <laughs> but but here, let me ask you this: like, so if you were at a club and you grab your butt, that's cool? Because like no, you're saying, no. it wasn't this place where it was at a house party, right? So I'm just saying, yeah. like, I, like it's never, like, it should it's never, never be cool, cool, right? No, it's never cool. Okay, it's never cool just except that. Me. Yeah, except that in in a certain environment, because it was like a house party and it was like it was someone that I knew and it seemed like, you know, it's like people you know or they're acquaintances of people you know. It's like a different vibe in a in a club, too. I mean, I don't want. OK, I'm going to be honest. If it's someone really cute, then I might just allow it to rest there momentarily. But and then I will feign disapprovement and I'll be like, no, and touch his chest. I don't know. But in a club, I feel like it's, you know, you kind of expect it when you're a young woman. Like, you kind of expect a little harassment. Not, And I'm not condoning it by any means. It's just a sad fact of growing up as a young girl, woman, whatever, what have you. Yeah. But I think it's, I, I mean, I hope, I would hope that, like, as you know, as we evolve as a species and as a society that, yeah, you, you, ex you should come to maybe not expect it anymore. And I think that's no. going to be when it's nice yeah. when, when you, there's no reason to expect it. Not that I don't expect it. And oh, and that was foolish. I should oh. have expected The difficulty is when you get a lot of horny men who actually would love to go into a club and get people to randomly grope them. That's oh, like, yeah, it just makes, it's just, it's, it's, and, but then you have to kill that culture that's been around for 30, 40 years because somebody might get offended um, oh. and then charge you with sexual assault when you know 99% of that room would actually be quite happy. So it's, it's, I'm saying, it's, I know I'm getting myself into trouble, but I'm trying to represent, like, it is a little bit tough. Like, I, I can't throw the book at Alexander Wang because I'm like, you know what? I go into a club in Montreal. If five people don't grow my penis, I'm going to feel like I'm having a bad hair day. Like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like, well, you don't have any hair right now. I know, I know. Don't remind me. I had to shave my head <laughs> off. And I have bad connotations with this hair because when I was young, the only time 
my friends would shave their head is when somebody died and they'd have to go to the monastery for a month and shave their head. So like, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I did just do it right after 2020. So maybe this is in celebration of 2020 yeah. dying. Sure. sure. <laughs> We're all dying on the inside. But, um, you know, okay. like, look, yeah. I feel like it's like, Oh, it's a bunch of horny men. If horny men have had excuses made for them for way too long. <laughs> You know yes, what I mean? Like so many problems in the world come from horny men. Horny men, yeah. And it's not like and look, it's like I like I, I've made terrible decisions yeah. when I've been horny. You know, like horrible, horrible okay. decisions. So it's just like you know, maybe. Uh, I mean, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's if difficult. Honestly, it's yeah, difficult. during pandemic, I wouldn't be surprised if horny men were the cause of spreading. Uh, the virus because they're not supposed to be. Yo, a hundred percent. Okay, look, yeah. listen to this. Like, cause I was recently headlining a club and then I had to share a condo with a comic and then he brought like a stripper home to what? the condo and was like, All right, where, where the fuck? And I was like, oh my God. And yeah. they were like, they offered a threesome and I was just like, yo, that's a hard ass during a pandemic, man. Like, yeah. and I was like, and how do we socially, like, she's not six feet tall. We can't socially distance. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring, I didn't bring my glory hole. Sorry. No. Like, I mean, <laughs> because the amount of, of, of people that have contacted me from, I don't know when, and they're like, your name was in my phone, so I must have been attracted to you. What are you doing right now? Uh, staying <laughs> six feet and farther away from you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing, man. Okay. Honestly, this pandemic would go away if everybody just stopped trying to fuck. Just get just married. Stop trying to fuck. Okay, that's a great place to end this topic. Um, I, I know we're running a little bit over time. Uh, these, these these topics, honestly, it's just been tough to... The conversation has been so spirited. Um, so we definitely chose the right topics this week. Um, but we're going to end with this final topic. And this is also a very spirited topic that just broke right now. Like right before we came on air, we added it last minute. We're going to go over to Veronica. And this involves Donald Trump, Georgia... Some secretary of state. I don't know what's going on. Tell, tell us what's up. Uh, our favorite orange colored Muppet. <laughs> oh, I think Veronica has frozen. frozen. Wow. So hang on. Uh, let me. The deep, the deep state is here. Just, <laughs> let me here. switch back to the overall view. Um uh, I think our production manager, David, is watching. Uh, David, if you could message Veronica on Facebook so she knows to log out and log back in. So uh, uh, so me, me and, uh, me and uh, Leonard will run we'll with this. Shit off. Um, um, so here, here's a few notes. I, I somewhat read the story, just enough to do the graphics, so I don't totally know what's going on. But apparently there's one hour of audio of Trump pressuring uh, Georgia's governor, uh, no, sorry, Georgia's secretary of state, uh, Raff or something, whatever. Um, uh, you see that? That was a conspiracy right there. Oh, okay, great. We've, okay, we've got Veronica back. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's the equivalent of, of the deep state for Republicans? Anyway, the uh, Russian bots tried to take her off air, but now here she is to, thank goodness, explain what's going on, because I really didn't even know anybody's name. So take it yeah, away, Veronica. Yeah, right after I insulted him. D tell me that's not, listen, I'm scared now. <laughs> Alexander Wang is coming for me. So <laughs> just hours ago, 
Mr. Trump um, was on a phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State. Um, I can't remember his name right now Robinson. because I. Yes. So he, uh, they, they have audio. They have audio of him trying to convince him to find eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes in favor of him. And he sounds like, honestly, he sounds like, do you, does everyone in their family, I think, has like a, a very old person who's just like, whatever they say is batshit crazy and you just leave them in the corner and feed them yeah, food yeah, once in a while? Not- yes, this co- is him. This is him. He sounds like that person. So they've recorded it, obviously, and it was just released by the Washington Post at 3.30 p.m. So it's late breaking news. Um, and obviously, like, it's just... I just want you to like after obviously after you finish listening to this or watching this go over and listen to how crazy he is it's it's entertaining but it's also it's also disturbing as it's always always has been that this senile man has was in charge for this long he just yeah he he's basically asking him to just lie I I guess that's what he's asking everybody to do, really. He's just, a, he's convinced. I don't know if he's convinced that he he should have won or if he is an evil person. I, his, I, his, I niece, his, his niece, who, like Mary Trump wrote that book and she's like this psychiatrist or psychologist or I can't remember the, what, which one she is. But she basically said like, like Trump is like the only one who can like gaslight himself into believing oh my goodness. Yeah. this stuff is true. So I think his delusion that he of who he is that he he he's a winner and nobody can ever defeat him and he's the best. He's convinced. he's so convinced that that's true that he molds reality around that belief. So he actually does. I think according to her, she believes this is all like according to her, she believes that he believes that all this is. Uh, like there is a huge conspiracy, and like yeah, yeah, because he's he's asking about did they rip up ballots? Did they remove machines? And it's again, it's just getting ridiculous. And then it gets to a point where he just insults him. Yeah. And I yeah, I just I would love to believe that I'm that great and walk around for decades until somebody just says, "Listen, that crazy old bitch, don't listen to her." I I feel like that would be very freeing, actually. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Trump is, Trump is interesting because... He is very interesting. In a lot of ways, it doesn't sound bad, but like, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've got a, a pretty good chunk of narcissism within me. So I actually understand a lot of his motivation sometimes. <laughs> and like, it's just... But he's using it for evil. Like, so much of how I got out of like, where I was, you know, growing up in... Oh, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I did grow up in, in the ghetto. <laughs> Um, we have to mention it every episode. Um, and the way I got out of it was I did kind of gaslight myself. You, it has to be so narcissistic and delusional that you just believe so strongly. Um, you know, if you look at the percentages and you look at everything, you should think that you're going to fail, but you have to be so, you do have a need a touch of narcissism to sort of like really believe your own lies until you get out of there. So what he's doing, I can relate, but it's like when you're doing that to not get out of the ghetto, but when you're doing that and you're already like a millionaire, that got like hundreds of million dollars from your dad. Like you don't have to, you don't need that survival instinct. Like it just, 
It's good as a survival. Like, I understand why narcissism exists in the human brain of evolution because it does help people to survive. But when you apply that to somebody who already has so many resources, then it becomes evil because it's not survival anymore. It's domination. Yeah. And also, Vong, also, Vong, what you did is called The Secret. There's a book. (laughs) Just like, put it out in the universe and it becomes. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. Look, I think this this is I think there's a difference between uh, deluding yourself into not giving up so you can beat odds. Yes. Versus outright denying reality. <laughs> like there's there's there's, there's different. Like it's you know like Trump is outright denying reality versus you are like yeah the odds are against me but like I can't I have to. But if you let any doubt creep in, then it makes it monumentally harder. Yeah. And you just have to kind of push ahead being like, I can do this. I can do this. Because doubt is a killer. But it's important. Mm-hmm. You have to have some doubt. Mm. You know, because if you have no doubt. <laughs> then you're Gwen Stefani. <laughs> um, so, okay, so go on. <laughs> so so the, the question I wanted to ask the panel is, you know, and I feel like I ask this every week and every week he does himself, but how far will an increasingly desperate tr- Donald Trump go in his final days? Like this is, I don't know what else is going to happen. I feel like he's going to try and commandeer the army. He's going to mm-hmm. try and launch some nukes. You know, he's already wow. done like what? Uh, dozens of pardons. I don't know. What else can this man do? I, I hate to put out that question in the world because I feel like he's going to answer us with something <laughs> crazier than we can even understand. But, you know, what What are you guys most worried about as he clings for dear life for power in his final days? I, I'm worried about not him so much because he's clearly crazy. Is that the the crazy people that are on board with him. That's who I'm more uh, nervous about than him. It's just, and the overwhelming support, like even if I go on Twitter at any given time and see people who support what he says, I'm just like, wow, how like, this is, yeah, I just, no words, no words. Yeah. Yeah. Stochastic terrorism. That's Mm. probably the number one threat and will almost certainly result in a body count. More body, a higher body oh. count than there is now. Uh, but like in terms of something he can do, besides his horrible rhetoric, he could start a war. He, yeah, like exactly. He's already been had to been talked down from starting mm-hmm. a war with Iran. Oh. Um, which, oh, on a, just on a funny note, uh, <laughs> Iran erected a monument to uh, General Qasim Soleimani, who, of course, uh, Trump assassinated a while back. And uh, the memorial is a statue of the moment the missile hit the SUV. What? You just have to Google it. No way. It's so <laughs> funny. Slash that is horrifying. weird. So funny. Like, <laughs> it is. Fantastic execution. Uh, <laughs> the world is a strange place. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, uh, so, which actually, now I understand why people delude themselves because it's just so strange out there. <laughs> Yeah, you just get so invested into like your, your view of who you are as a person, and you're so that you just can't let go of that because if you do, then you have then you don't know who you are. And at his age, mm. he, he doesn't have room to not know who he is. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so uh, I feel like we're going to hear more about this story. It's a developing story, and it's just batshit crazy. We'll see what's happening next week. I'm, if it, there might even be something even crazier, like nuclear war next week. Who knows? This, this dude is crazy. Um, I hate to put that on the universe, but we'll, we'll see what's happening in Trump's final days as we move forward. But uh, I, I want to thank the, the panelists, uh, Leonard Chan, Veronica Antipolo, um, for another spirited debate of a, uh, of a talk show this week. I want to thank everybody who is listening um, to the podcast or to the live stream. And uh, I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay super cute Asians. And that's what's up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.